going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, for the most part today, Hebrews chapter 12. And we're looking at this thing of the cross. Um, this is that day in which Jesus enters into Jerusalem. And over the next several uh, days in Jesus' life, and as we're kind of walking through it, uh, things are going to turn upside down. Today, it's Palm Sunday. Everybody's so glad. Hosanna. Glory to God in the highest. Uh, they're excited to see Jesus. Uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know, that's what they're saying. And just within a few short days, the same people are going to be crying, crucify him, crucify him. And things will just uh, change completely. Here in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, it reads, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. If I were going to title this message, it would be the shame of the cross. The concept that there was, there was something that Jesus had to, to face that he considered, the Bible says that he despised, he considered a shame. And... Uh, we're going to look at that concept today. Father, as we consider your word, help us to be drawn to you through it. God, I pray that if there's anyone within the hearing of my voice that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, that today they would recognize just how much you love them and how desperately they need you. And God, that they would be willing to turn to you in faith and trust uh, your provision for their eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. And God, for those of us who know Christ, I pray that we would be uh, encouraged and uplifted at the wonderful work of our great Savior as we consider it today. And we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the Bible says here that Jesus despised the shame of the cross. He had to endure the cross, but in the doing of it, he despised the shame of the cross. And I wanted to look at that concept. In Galatians chapter 3, it says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. The idea that Jesus was going to be crucified was the absolute proof to everyone who knew the law and was familiar with the law that Jesus was becoming a curse that God was taking all of the sins of the whole world, not for our sins only, but the sins also of the whole world, and placing them upon Jesus. And the Bible literally says, He, God, made him, Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And Jesus is about to become this curse. And as he is facing the cross... It is an endurance, but it is an endurance because of the despicableness of the shame of the cross. In Deuteronomy chapter 21, that's where the law actually states it. It says, And if a man have committed sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God." So we see this curse then being carried out on our Savior. Uh, the law declares that you know, one of the worst concepts of this payment of sin would be to put to the shame of the cross. Uh, this concept of shame, you, know, you think, why, why, why is this such a big deal? Or why is this concept of disgrace? If you look up the, this 
word, it means to disgrace or to take, to, to disgrace is to take grace away. Not God's grace so much, but to take, to take, well, it could even be that in this particular perspective. But in definition, it is like, you know, if someone has been, you know, uh, endowed with grace, then that means that they're pretty and that they're attractive. And it means that, you know, that they might actually have something about them that is appealing. And everything that is appealing about humanity is about to leave our Savior as our Savior endures the cross and is allowed, allowing himself to be hung upon this tree, despising the shame because everything that is possibly good about humanity becomes ugly. Isaiah puts it this way, there is no form nor comeliness nor beauty in him that we should desire him. I mean, that's what is happening to our Savior as our Savior takes upon himself the sins of the whole world. In Philippians chapter 2, we're told this, and being found in fashion as a man. Now, Jesus, uh, you know, took upon himself the, you know, the form of a man. Uh, he humbled himself and then became obedient to the death of the cross there in Ephesians or in Philippians chapter 2 as well. But it says, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Not only was Jesus willing to die for our sins, but he was willing to suffer the shame that comes with it. The curse of the law is represented in one hanging on a tree. Everything despicable about sin is represented in hanging someone on a tree. So that God in the Old Testament and again in the New Testament says, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And Jesus is about to, to enter into that place, that realm where for the very first time he is going to be cursed by God. Think this through. Uh, the Bible says that before the world began, Christ was before the foundations of the world. This is not a new concept. Jesus was there at the creation. Jesus and God have always existed. Jesus is God, remember? And so knowing that, uh, there's never, ever been a time in which God the Father and God the Son have had to endure separation. There's never been a time in which they have not enjoyed the sweetness of fellowship. That's why their relationship is described as father and son. It's a uniqueness. And this is such a blessing. And yet, when Jesus goes this place to this place and allows himself to be put on a cross... When Jesus allows himself to become accursed for the very first time in all eternity, God the Father and God the Son will no longer be in fellowship. This is what caused our Savior to cry out from the tree, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because for the first time, the curse is not just on man. Jesus has become the curse. He became sin for us who knew no sin. And suddenly, the shame of the cross is felt. The Bible says that he endured the cross, despising the shame. In Ephesians, why did he do this? In Ephesians chapter 2, it tells us this. 
that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. We're jumping in the middle of the thought, but having reconciled both Jew and Protestant, or, uh, Protestant, I'm sorry, both Jew and Gentile, all of these have been reconciled unto God, everyone, not for our sins only, but for the sins also of the whole world, has the opportunity to be reconciled unto God through the cross of Jesus Christ. It says, by, uh, unto God in one body by the cross. Why? Because he slain the enmity thereby. In other words, that which was causing problems between man and God is our sin. The curse of sin has been upon our backs since the garden. And we have not been able to enjoy the kind of fellowship with God apart from Christ, this kind of fellowship with God that God intended for us. We've been under this curse. But Christ broke the curse. He slain the enmity. That thing which was coming between us and God was dealt with on the cross. But for this time, Christ had to become sin. For this time, Christ is separated from the Father. For this time, the curse becomes his reality. He who knew no sin up to this point has never sinned still has never sinned. He simply took upon our sin upon himself and became sin for us. How did he do this? In Colossians chapter 2, it tells us this, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Now listen, here's the idea. There's a whole list of things that are against us. Now I'm not going to talk about everybody else because I don't know about everybody else. Let me just talk about your pastor for a moment, all right? Let me tell you some of the handwriting of the ordinances that are listed out against your pastor. A liar. My thought life. Pride. Anger. Bitterness. These are my reality. These are things that I've had to deal with. And those... The handwriting of the ordinances against your pastor have been nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ and blotted out because the curse has been slain. The enmity, that which was between me and God, has been dealt with by Christ on the cross. So it says, having blotted out by the, hand, the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. My sin nailed to the cross. No longer is in the way of my fellowship with the God of heaven. Your sin, your enmity, it might be pornography, it might be adultery, it might be uh, alcohol. It, I don't have any clue what all, but I know that every sin that man has done has been paid for on the cross of Jesus Christ. So that the handwriting of the ordinances that were against us are blotted out. They're gone because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And we stand 
In Christ, we stand redeemed. We stand justified just as if I'd never sinned. 1 Corinthians tells us this, For Christ sent me not to baptize, this is Paul talking, but to preach the gospel, without, not with words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be made of none effect. Now listen, folks, this is the message. That, this is really what it's all about today. As Christians, if you're here this morning and, and you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you know for a fact that your sin, the handwriting of ordinances against you, has been nailed to the cross and blotted out and there is nothing between my soul and the Savior, then our responsibility is not so much the service aspect of, of our Christian walk. The Apostle Paul says, it's not about baptizing. It's not about giving money. It's not about doing nice things. It is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is about telling other people, God did not leave us here to do nice things. He left us here to preach the gospel. And not with flowery words, lest the gospel be made of none effect, the cross of Christ be made of none effect. You say, I don't understand that, Pastor. It is, it is flowery words. No, it's not. It's a curse. That's what he's trying to say, is that there's no way. The gospel of Christ is an offense. You remember, the cross of Christ is an offense. If, if the gospel was God loves everybody and everybody goes to heaven, that would be the sweet and flowery version. That's not the case. God does love everybody. But everybody does not go to heaven because everybody's under a curse. Everybody who trusts Christ's payment on the cross for their sins goes to heaven. And that's the message. And the cross becomes of no effect if we neglect the idea that there's a curse. The cross becomes of no effect if we simply put the flowery words ahead and do not cause, us, cause people to understand the reason we need a Savior is that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. He goes on in, in 1 Corinthians 1, still in verse 18, he says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. You see, people out there that we're, we want to talk to about the Lord, sometimes it's not going to always be well accepted. It is foolishness to people. I, I understand what the Bible says here. But folks, we have been left here for just such a time as this to give the gospel to those who so desperately need the Lord. And if we don't give the gospel then our life becomes of no effect. It's as if the cross of Christ had no effect on us. We must be sharing the gospel. And we understand it's going to be foolishness, but once people cross that line and trust Jesus Christ as their Savior, it stops being foolishness and becomes the power of God. It's the way we survive. It is the way we're going to get through this pandemic. It is the way we're going to get through all of the things that are that are crashing down upon us. It's the way our church is going to survive. It is through the cross of Jesus Christ. It is not going to be in our own power and our own strength. It's not going to be because, going to be because somebody creates a, vi a virus vaccination. That's not going to take care of it. It is the power of God 
that is going to get us through. We must let the, the cross of Christ have such an effect on our lives that the result is we become sharers of the gospel. In Galatians chapter 6, it says this, Only lest they should suffer persecution for the cause of Christ, on, um, or for the cross of Christ. We uh, talked Wednesday. By the way, this is kind of what um, caused us to do some splitting up of our services. I realized Wednesday, as you're sitting with your whole families uh, listening to that uh, Bible study, that it might not have been quite as appropriate for your uh, seven or eight-year-old and I apologize for that. So we're trying to do some special things for the kids uh, as well. But, um, you know, the idea of persecution is real. And it may be more real in our future, closer in our future than we ever imagined with all of the things that are going on. But God has left us here for the gospel. He hasn't left us here for baptizing He didn't leave us here for doing good works. Those are great things. We should do them. We should do good works. But we're here to preach the gospel. And even in the face of potential persecution, we must be willing to preach the gospel. In Galatians chapter 6, Apostle Paul says this, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we understand the shame, the despicableness of our sin that was placed upon our Savior, then we understand that whatever God does with our life is not about us. It's all about Him. He is the only reason that I can stand here before you today. It's all about Him. You know, years ago, I think it was uh, Spurgeon was the one that said this, but said something about, like, I'm just paraphrasing, that a great church service is one in which, as the preacher, you walk out and people are not saying to you, that was a great great, uh, message, pastor. You did a great job preaching, pastor. But no, people are saying, pastor, don't we have a great God? Because, God forbid, that we should glory, save in the shame, the despicableness of the cross of Christ that nailed my sin to his cross, that the enmity between me and God might be forever blotted out, and I can fellowship with him. Are you here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Can I tell you about a God who loves you and desires to give you the wonderful gift of eternal life? He has provided for your sin by nailing it to the cross of his son, by allowing his son to become a curse for us, to become sin for us, for you. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Right now, right where you are, in your home, in your car, wherever you might be listening, you can place your faith, your confidence, your trust in Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior. If you will ask him to forgive you of your sins, he is faithful and just to do so. Would you do that right now, Christian? Can we be reminded in this time in which it's so easily apparent that the people around us 
need Jesus. Can we be reminded that we're here for that purpose, for the preaching of the gospel, for the sharing of the wonderful news that the enmity between us and God has been forever broken. Father, teach us to love you. Father, if there's anyone here that does not know Christ, God, I pray today would be the day that they accept Christ as their Savior and trust him. As Christians, give us boldness to share the gospel and a burden for the souls of men around us. And we will thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, listen, if you trust Christ your Savior today, we would love to uh, help you grow in your new faith. And you can visit our website, sptnd.org. And uh, we would love to, uh, you can contact us through there, and we would love to uh, get some materials in your hands and help you grow in Christ. If you uh, need something out there and there's some way that we can help you, we would be honored to do so. You can, again, go to our website and contact us, and we would be more than happy to do whatever we can. Christian, if you need some materials in hand of sharing the gospel, some gospel tracts, things like that, uh, we have them here. If you let us know when you're coming, we'll have them set out for you and ready to go, and, and uh, we would just be honored to be able to help you in those ways. Uh, it's a joy to be able to do this. Uh, how awful this would be to live in a time in which we could not have this technology. But I long for the day that I can uh, hug your neck and let you know how much I love you and miss you. I uh, missed Juanita yesterday when I saw her and just trying to encourage her with Brother Manny and her daughter's there and her son-in-law. And, and we were all just kind of standing around the four corners of the living room and uh, giving air hugs. And Miss Juanita was just weeping and saying, Pastor, I just wish that I could hug you. And I know, I understand. Um, but the day is a-coming, folks. The day is a-coming in which God will allow us to be together again. Until then, may the Lord bless you keep you, make his face shine upon you and give you peace. And the Lord watch between me and thee when we are absent one from another. God bless you and love you. All right. Thank you.